Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Welcome to Real Presence Radio on this Monday, July 25th, the Feast of the Apostle St. James the Greater. And we're very happy you're here with Real Presence Radio Live this morning. My name is Father Randall Kiesel. I'm the pastor at the Church of St. Michael in Pine Island and the Church of St. Paul in Zombroda. We have a great show this morning, and we're going to begin, though, our week and our day with prayer. So please join me. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And let us invoke the blessing of Almighty God upon our time and our day and our week as we invoke the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit to have a right judgment in all things, and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters listening in this morning, I pray that you are having a great beginning to your week, a great Monday. Uh, technically, actually, Sunday begins our week because that is the first day of the week now in the new creation of the new covenant and the precious blood of our Lord. But nonetheless, as we begin this Monday, I pray that you're having a great day. Remember, turning to God and friendship with Him and any adversity or any difficulty is always a new beginning and a new blessing and a new grace. And speaking of graces and blessings, we have our first guests on the line with us, Peter and Teresa Martin from the Diocese of Winona, Rochester. Uh, thank you for being with us, Peter and Teresa. You're welcome. Good morning, Father. Good morning to you. And we are here in this, this time together. We're going to begin by asking you to share a little bit about uh, who you are, and but primarily we're going to jump into the National Natural Family Planning Awareness Week and the anniversary of Humanae Vitae. So we're excited to talk about that this week and to talk with you particularly because I know you love our Lord, you love the church and the teachings of our church, and you're uh, great teachers on natural family planning. So before we get into that, Peter and Teresa, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So I am Peter Martin. I'm the director of the Office of Life, Marriage, and Family for the Diocese of Women in Rochester. My wife and I have been married for 21 years. We've got eight beautiful children, Yay. and we're yeah, we're blessed to be here in this diocese. And obviously, uh, there's a great buzz this week. We're welcoming Bishop Barron as That's our right. new pastor uh, of the diocese starting Friday. He will be installed here. Um, yeah, Teresa, you want to add maybe about how we met? Um, yes, sure. <laughs> So, like he said, we both work in marriage ministry, but he is the one who works for the diocese, and I'm home homeschooling our wonderful children. Um, but our journey started a long time ago in the Catholic Studies Program at the University of St. Thomas in up in St. Paul, Minnesota, when we were studying abroad in Rome, actually, is where we first started dating, and um, the rest is history. <laughs> 
Fantastic. And Peter and Teresa, it's great to have you with here. But I want to do a little plug on Bishop Barron. It is an exciting uh, event, exciting uh, to welcome Bishop Barron to this area, to Minnesota, to the Diocese of Winona, Rochester. And just a little plug for Real Presence Radio and the interview Bishop Barron had last Tuesday. So just a week ago tomorrow, last Tuesday, he had an interview, a half-hour segment. You can go to the Real Presence website and listen to that podcast. So it's uh, he talks a little bit about what he hopes to do, especially evangelization, and uh, asked all, I want to repeat what he asked everyone to do for him, which is to pray the rosary. So if all the, the faithful pray the rosary for him in the midst of this transition, it'd be a great thing. And so I'm excited for you, Peter and Teresa, because I know, Peter, both of you probably work with Bishop Barron on spreading the good news of the gospel of life and natural family planning. So can you tell us uh, a little bit about Humane uh, Vitae and the beginning of this uh, Awareness Week and uh, what you do to help explain Humane Vitae to the faithful. Sure. So the first thing is Humane Vitae was started uh, way before it was actually uh, promulgated. Uh, back in 1963, St. Pope John XXIII started a, con- a commission that would study birth control, and in that time there was also talk that you know, overpopulation was was something to to be concerned about, and so he started the commission. It went on um, after Saint John the Twenty Third passed away. Saint Paul the Sixth took on the commission, added more people to it. In the end, they completed their study, and there were two reports: a majority report and a minority report. And much like our day, uh, the media got a hold of it and leaked. The majority report to the mm-hmm. to the press, and everyone was all abuzz. They thought for sure that this was the church's way of finally getting up with the times. And the pope would say that birth control is illicit uh, means for a married couple. Uh, but in the end, Pope Saint Paul the Sixth went with the minority report, which was re- really just a clarification of the church's teaching throughout the millennia of what it means to be a marriage and what the ends to the marriage, so what the purpose of marriage is for. He reiterated that and went with the minority uh, and continued the life or the the age-long teaching of the Church that marriage was meant to be for the couple, yes, but also for the procreation of children and raising them up. Yes, amen, Peter, and that's been what the Church has always upheld as part of her teachings uh, to welcome new life from uh, and honor new life, uh, especially life in the womb and to life that would be come forth into the world because uh, new life is the gift of God. And one question I asked you, Peter, and I know we, we did a little study of this in the seminary and we can uh, help people to understand because sometimes people get caught on, well, uh, it's, it's the... the you know, the church is stuck on old rules, and they will really blame the, the church solely for this teaching. But are you aware of any aspect of where this teaching actually goes prior even to the, the formation or the creation of the Catholic Church by our Lord Jesus? <laughs> sorry, I wasn't ready for the question. Oh, sorry. Um, it's okay. The um, Yeah, so even prior to the Catholic Church, there were... Uh, means of trying to get around this idea of procreation and uh, the the sexual act obviously ending in a child. And there were ways that people tried to rid the child, 
right? So this is not a question that came with the Church. And it was very clear because of the difficulty and, and the damage that this did to people, to the woman, to the child. Uh, it was very clear that this was not the way things were meant to be. So it's not as if the Church created this question of, uh, you know, not, not allowing people to have sex when they want. This was always there, and the Church simply takes from God the, uh, the rules that He created when He created life, and, and we reiterate, we offer to the world the truths of who we are as human persons. And it's not as if the Church is against the sexual act. Uh, the Church finds marriage and life beautiful, and in fact, because of this commission and because of the encyclical Humanae Vitae, the Pope actually called for a greater understanding of the sexual act, the reproduction of children, and understanding how one could use the cycle of the woman to allow couples to have the marital act where they're certain that it will not, almost 100%, certain that it will not end in conception, uh, and that they considered to be a licit act because we are not contraception. We are doing nothing to take away that beautiful uh, addition of a human life, that, that ability of God to create life within us. We're not doing Can anything... I- to oppose that. Go ahead, Teresa. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, because I just wanted to clarify, too, I mean, the the sexual revolution and the people who created the birth control pill did an amazing job of, of propaganda, because right now we think, you know, birth control pill is just a, um, is a commonplace word and something that, oh, yeah, people use. But even, like, if you look not even 100 years ago, when Chesterton, G.K. Chesterton was around, he talked about his parents basically being agnostic, but they were abhorrent towards the idea of a birth control, of something that was, you know, stick in there that, that, that would be um, separating the sexual act from creating children. He even called it weak, wobbly, and cowardly, the word itself, because it has nothing to do with birth, and mm-hmm. it's meant to avoid self-control, right? But then also the thing, because it's lowering us, it's not making us more free. And that's what the sexual revolution, this, this culture kind of um, gave, fed us this lie that sexual freedom would equal human freedom. But even, you know, David too talked about it long before Humanity B. Day was promulgated and when he was just a priest and a cardinal. But also Chesterton talking about how it, it takes away this grandness of who we are, this greatness of being able to discipline ourselves and, and, and be fully human means being able to live for one thing, being able to fight for something, being able to take the challenge. And instead, the, you know, when we take that part, that responsibility out of it, 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 it brings us low to that of animals where we're just kind of on baseline pleasure and not really, we'll never really find our full satisfaction there unless we go to the God who made us, right, and look at the natural law and look at who he created us to be. Yes. I, Peter and Teresa, if I can compliment what you're saying, because you're, you're hitting the target is what my original question was, which may not have come out quite right. But the, the idea even is that the, the meaning and the purpose of the gift of sexuality, a man and a woman, the complementarity, it goes back to creation. It goes back to male and female. He created them in the unitive and the procreative 
aspect that comes and it's redeemed by Christ and his redemptive act on the cross and uh, the married life, the sacrament and the union of one man and one woman sacramentally bonded uh, mirrors or is a reflection of Christ united with his church. And even in the old covenant time, they, there was a type of teaching through the, the person of Onan and the, the consequence of Onan uh, that uh, he, we know in Revelation that there was this understanding that there must be an openness to life in every unitive act. Uh, that there cannot be a, a decision to prevent the natural possible outcome of unity between a man and woman in married life. So and we have a couple minutes before our break coming up here. So um, tell us a bit about uh, the, the coming of the promulgation of Humane Vitae here before we go to a break and how that all happened. When was Humane Vitae put out for the world? Yes, yeah, so today is the anniversary, uh, July 25th. In 1968 was the promulgation, and it went over very poorly because, as I said, the the majority report document was leaked. And even before that, there was a great buzz that, oh, with with, uh, Vatican II, the Church was going to start updating its teaching and finally get with the times. But the reality is uh, it wasn't even 50 years before that where every single Christian denomination was opposed to contraception. In 1931, yes. that, that all changed with the Episcopal Church. Uh, the Anglican Church decided, uh, but if you read the wording, they decided that it would have to be a very rare and extreme case where birth control would be licit. But in the end, that was the little pinhole prick in the dam, and it right. didn't take long for the, the moment where all churches said, well, maybe, maybe it wouldn't have to be so extreme. <laughs> and then, as I said, like with with the birth control pill and its accessibility, uh, churches really just said, "Well, we shouldn't uh, get in the way of, of technology. We shouldn't get in the way of people's free choice." And they really just allowed it for any reason at all. Yeah, and there was some struggle regarding its reception. Do you, do you have any comments on when it was released? Even within the church, uh, there was a, a, a deep struggle. It seems to me. Well, there was, um, even <laughs> before 24 hours of it actually being promulgated, there's a professor at Catholic University, and his name maybe he can remember, um, he called a press conference. And so the he wanted to use it, the document hadn't even been out a day, and he called a press conference and said he had a list of over 600 um, theologians that say, you don't have to listen to this, just listen mm-hmm. to your conscience. So already, immediately, the Catholic faithful were like, what? <laughs> yes. So We're, we're going to yeah. pause there, Teresa, and we're going to go yep. for a break. We're going to pick up right there, because it is dramatic. It's a drama. So stay with us. We're Real Presence Radio, Father Randall Kazel with Peter and Teresa Martin. Stay tuned. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. 
Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director of Riverview Place. I've worked my entire career in healthcare as a social worker in the hospital, skilled nursing, and hospice settings. I love my job. Not only do I get to work with a caring, dedicated team that displays human kindness to every resident, it's a privilege to offer seniors a lifestyle that reminds me of what it felt like to grow up in the small rural town of Buffalo, North Dakota. To join our faith-based community, call us today for a tour at 701-412-1952. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Radio here on this great Monday morning, the Feast of St. James the Greater, Santiago de Compostela. We're blessed to have with us Peter and Teresa Martin from the Diocese of Winona, Rochester. Thanks for being with us, Peter and Teresa. You're welcome. And our topic this week is Natural Family Planning Awareness Week and the anniversary of Humana Vitae, which is today. And just before break, we were getting into the, the drama of the release of uh, the document from July 25th, 1968. And, and Teresa, you want to pick up uh, a little bit where you left off uh, with that drama that was taking place right at that time? Yeah, we were talking about how... Um the professor was Father Kern at uh, Catholic University, had this press conference and basically told the faithful within 24 hours of Humanity Beauty even being promulgated at all um, that they didn't have to listen to this. They should just follow their conscience. Um, mm-hmm. so, and he said he had all these theologians who had signed it, who agree with him. And so this also was like a shift in um, the sexual revolution. It was you know, undermining the idea that there was intrinsic truth intrinsic you know it is either wrong or it is right it's not relative right so all of this was just kind of a break break away from that belief that the church could be right period end of story um and so you have two sides of this but even if you look back you know saint john paul ii he offered in the minority report and he gave some reflections he was a part of that group Mm -hmm. um that informed pope paul vi now saint paul vi um, and he offered a, a much more thorough anthropological vision and explanation, which St. Paul VI decided not to go into all of that, although it did have the kernel of it in it, in Humanae Vitae. Um, but for him, for St. John Paul II, you know, most of his unpacking of, um, you know, the theology of the body and and his um, familiaris consortio and the um, dignity on the vocation of women... All of that helps to 
unpack the truth that's already found in Humanae Vitae. So that's like the core. And he spent his pontificate kind of unpacking this. But the reaction, um, he would say probably that the on both sides, they kind of got it wrong. Um, so on the one side, he said, you know, he has this... in. Um, he, he calls it the integral vision of the person, like every person, you should see them as they are now, like in their realness, in their messiness, but always pointing them towards the ideal, right? You see them in these two places, who they are, who they're meant to be. And so when people said, you know what, this is too hard, let people use contraception, because, you know, doing the natural family planning and having mm-hmm. to abstain sometimes, that's, that's just going to be too challenging. So it's too hard. We, we understand their struggle, but they just, so they just left them in the real. And, but then you have people who err on the side of only looking at natural law and not giving any credence to people's experience and, um, and understanding the struggle and the challenge that it can be sometimes to use natural family planning, right? And yeah. that falls on deaf ears when people feel like their, their experience doesn't matter. And even though natural law is right and true and, and it will bring us the greatest joy, it's hard for people, especially in our culture, that just inundated by the, you know, the, these um, very secularist uh, opinions about freedom and sexual freedom and whatnot, to, to take that step. And so I don't know if we want to segue into this already, but um, so for Peter and I, when we talk about natural family planning to people, and we talk about God's great and beautiful and wonderful and fulfilling plan for our lives, that we always try to take into concern their actual experience, what they're actually going through, the struggle that it really is. Because sometimes it can get, like, over-romanticized. Oh, this is going to be wonderful, yes. and everything is going to be great, and, you know, all flowers and sunshine. And it's not always. But just because it's hard and just because it's challenging doesn't mean it shouldn't be attempted. And so, yeah, it's, we're broken and we're messy, but we always should point each other towards the ideal. And, and that's what we need to do, because following God's will is the only thing that's going to bring a marriage true joy. Amen, Teresa. Well said. You, you, you pointed it out. And if I were to even what I heard one thing coming out is how the experience and the aspect of the, the lived story that each couple will have, each family has, and each individual really within the, that sphere, uh, the, the necessity of grace. And that, I think, is one of the, the qualities that can be missing in this question. And I think John Paul was interjecting that back into the narrative because there's a uh, the, the contraceptive mindset rules out grace that God will not provide in the future. And therefore, uh, I or we need to control the circumstances of the marital relationship rather than saying, let go, let God. Lord will surprise, will surprise us, but he will also surprise us with grace and blessings to give what we need. So uh, maybe we can segue to Peter. Peter, could you share a little bit of how this says, how our Lord and his blessings and how his plan has played out, uh, how NFP has been impactful in your marriage? Absolutely, and, and we're really hitting at the heart of the importance of Humana Vitae, and you said it, it, it's the center of God in your life. So for our marriage, Teresa and I started our married life studying abroad in Rome. So we spent four years, and we didn't have any money, of course, at that time. We were just newlyweds. We had people who were helping us to pay rent and tuition, but we didn't have anything for extra at all. So we didn't feel that it was a good time for us to bring new life into our family. And we so we used natural family planning to avoid conception, to postpone. But of course, when you're using that, you always know that God has the final say. And if God wants life to begin, then, then it does. And so we were very open to 
life. In fact, we, we, we longed for it. We wanted to start a family, but we also felt called to study and finish our graduate degree. So that's really the heart of the matter is that when you practice NFP, you recognize that in the end, God is central to your marriage and God is central to um, what happens in your family. And so you really do allow God in and you trust Him in one of the most important parts of your life. Now, some of the other things that NFP helped us with was just communication. Uh, you have to know exactly how the women's cycle is and you have to know, you know, what your spouse's um, life is like outside of the sexual experience. Too many people uh, put that at the pedestal of their marriage, and if it's not there, then they don't know how to react. They don't know how to show love to their spouse. And so we learned very much about each other that was outside of the, expect- the sexual experience and the marital embrace. Amen. Very good, Peter. And just for our listeners who may not have heard of natural family planning before, uh, Teresa, can you give a little bit of the nuts and bolts of natural family planning just for our listeners in general? So like what their natural family planning and say, what what exactly is that? Yeah, I would love to. Um, what it does is it works with the woman's body in her natural cycles of um, fertile and infertile phases of her cycle and um, helps you really be able to see and scientifically even, so there's lots of different methods that you can use, but um, through signs and symptoms and even an, we use an ovulation monitor, um, you're able to track when a woman, um, there's two phases of infertility and then the middle of her cycle is a fertile phase. And so if you have prayed and discerned that now is the time to be open to life, then you know exactly your best chance, you know, of being able to conceive. And if God wills it, you know, everything is in God's hands. And then um, if you discern that now is not the time to be open to life uh, because of everything else that you're dealing with or whatever the case may be, that you can just abstain during that fertile phase and Mm -hmm. take advantage of the infertile phases to come Mm -hmm. together as a couple. And Teresa, could you comment on the the pray and the discern and... And your relationship with Peter, how, what, are, what are some practical things on what that means and what you might offer to couples on that, uh, I might call it the, the discipline and the relationship and cooperating with God and the grace? Well, you definitely need to keep talking <laughs> yes. and um, share the feelings because it's not always easy, right? And um, you were talking about that, um, the, the, the necessity of grace. And that we, every married couple who's been married in the church with the sacrament of marriage already has everything they need to do this, right? Because we've been endowed with this grace yes. of the sacrament of marriage. Get to confession, make sure you're in a state of grace. But then God can enter in and, and ask him. And the prayer should be, Lord, what do you want for our marriage? And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it doesn't stop at nature. We need grace, you know, to work this out. If it's just purely a um, kind of, it can be used in a selfish way, right? But, but, but it's really hard to do that. But if you're, if you're offering that question to God of, Lord, what do you want for our marriage? And then what Peter and I do is we, we, have, we have a process of uh, communicating on bigger things where we kind of write letters to each other, exchange them, read them, and then talk about them. And it helps us to kind of really get all of our thoughts out there and really be heard by the, 
by, by your spouse. So you take time to kind of read this letter, what we're thinking about. It, usually that happens when we're like, should we be open to another child? Uh, we have one of these big communication times. We spend a few days praying about it and then write these letters, exchange them, and talk about, um, yeah, and talk about it at that deeper level. No, that's, that's a beautiful practice, how you communicate in that way and you are able to express your hearts in writing and then in communicating because it is, I know this as a priest that, and also it's, it's similar in the parallel with married life that your vocation is a kind of prayer. You're, it's an ongoing daily experience of particular graces and to be able to communicate in prayer with our Lord individually and then together. Uh, that that becomes a wonderful thing. And the, the parallel in the priestly life is then the public celebration of the sacraments and especially the pinnacle, the source and summit with the Holy Eucharist at the Mass that you're, you're in the parish family and you have the parish then part of the prayer petitioning God for blessings and his will. So in the, in the very same thing in the domestic church, which is the idea of John Paul II, how to describe that reality of the prayer. Um, so what, what would be, uh, Peter and Teresa, we got only maybe 90 seconds or so left in our segment, or w- one minute left in our segment here. What would be some encouraging words that you would offer to couples uh, today? I would first say that this is not something that's easily practiced. So any difficult diet plan or exercise plan comes with a coach if they want people to follow this plan successfully. And so we would offer the same thing, that you need to find people that you can trust, people who are walking with you, people who will care about you and who are ready to step in and assist when need be. Thank you, Peter. And Peter Teresa, we're just about out of time. I thank you for being with us today. Again, uh, brothers and sisters listening out there, we thank Peter and Teresa Martin, uh, the Director of Family Life and Diocese of Winona, Rochester, to be with us. This is Natural Family Planning Week and also the anniversary of Humana Vitae. I encourage all of our listeners uh, to learn more about natural family planning. So, Peter and Teresa, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thanks, Father. And uh, stay with us as we go into our break. Next up will be our call-in. If you have a question that I can help you with about our Catholic faith, you can call 877-795-0122. Stay with us on Real Presence Radio Live. We'll be right back. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 